0: Are you finally going to tell me the root of the quote that you've made me wait oh, yeah. two and a half hours for? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I on the way here, was waiting in the N-train station, um, waiting for the N-train, because that's what you do when you're in the N-train station. You wait for the N-train. Um, this is me stalling to pull up your Twitter, because I'm trying to remember the exact quote that you tweeted out from some kind of I media. I just tell you. Okay.
1: A handshake is available upon request.
0: Yeah, that's from something and I liked the post and you still when I DM'd you and asked, "What is this from?" you wrote back, "Wait for the podcast." Here's the podcast.
1: Yeah, I said save it for the pod. Well, first I told you it was a quote. Yes. Which was a joke because it was in quotes, so you're supposed to
0: Yeah, I, I got know it. That yeah, that was good.
1: Um, do you want to know what it's from?
0: Yes. Can I get a hint? Can I guess? Sure. Can I get a hint?
1: Oh. Um, You must have seen it recently.
0: Yeah. It's got to be something like, ugh. It's something new. Like very new? Yeah, I'd say very new. Like two days ago. Yeah. Is it that show Severance? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I knew. I'm glad (laughs) because I I watched the first episode today. Literally like an hour before. Before that. Before I saw it. So, that tells you how terrible I am with quotes that I had just heard it and I still did not know what it was from.
1: Yeah, I have it up. On my, I'm like, um, still, I still have 20 minutes left in the first episode.
0: Oh, you're not even done. No, I'm
1: not even done with the first
0: episode. Ay, yeah, yeah. What is wrong <laughs> with me? I knew it was something. I knew it was either that or I knew it was Murderville, which both of us have watched
1: mm-hmm. or been yeah. watching.
0: Yeah, uh, or I have a couple left on it. Have you been watching the after party?
1: No, I have to go back. I kind of watched half an episode in the background and That's good. I didn't choose the right time to... To, to, to get into it I, I figured
0: it was one of those
1: yeah th- those are the only new things I've been watching the other <laughs> the other thing I've been watching and binging is all in the family which is as old as you can get
0: that yeah that's quite the turn I started the year binge watching golden girls because Betty White oh, bit right it, so
1: you know all in the family was it I actually like I'm having a hard time. I had to stop watching it because this speaks to both the culture then and but also more than that episodic television. When you watch the episodes back to back, you're like, this marriage is tragic. Um, like, Edith is, is like just verbally abused, kind of.
0: Oh, absolutely. And he's a he's a he's vile,
1: isn't he? I mean, So it's not what he's kind of not meant to be that. And the reason I'm watching it is because I was was reading Norman Lear's book and he talks about that. And he's not if you take it in week by week installments. But if you were to watch the show and binge it and it's just you're getting hit over the head with that, you know, it's not meant to be serially seen, even though there are storylines throughout it, because what it's doing is, you know, it's old school sitcom, Archie's shtick is to call Edith a dingbat and is to be selfish and is to come home from work yelling and hit all these points. And that's what people wanna see. But you can't, in like the binging culture of shows. We also kind of look at shows for the big picture and like the entire life they're depicting. And on this, like, you're not getting that. You're getting one angle of it. It's not meant to be binge. It's not meant to be an exact depiction of their life. Because if you look at it, you're like, I don't buy that Edith is in this marriage. And again, part of that's also just the, the culture or whatever, uh, and generational, but there's something about it that's so... Itge- it really just kind of made me be like, oh, this is really episodic television.
0: You know who the modern-day Archie Bunker is, right? Peter Griffin.
1: Ooh, interesting. Oh, interesting, I guess.
0: I mean, Family Guy makes a lot of All in the Family jokes. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's a there's an All in the Family cutaway where she makes fun of him, and he just punches her in the face. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, that... it's, only a, it's only a step away from the real All in the Family. <laughs>
1: it really is, yeah. And there, yeah. there, there's a bunch of spinoffs of that show. I was hoping that reading this book would tell me more about them, but uh, it, it really didn't.
0: We talked about all these comedy properties. Is there any crossover in any of the things I just mentioned with Keeping Up with the Joneses? There's got to be, right? Like one? Is Isla Fisher in any of these? You mean? Oh, you mean as far as actors
1: and actresses go, yeah, well
0: go? Um, let's pretend that was like we had a transition here to start the Cinema Chain Gang podcast. Yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> think so, right? How is that possible?
1: Well, because um, everything except for Family Guy that we just mentioned is older.
0: No, we just named like three shows that debuted a month ago.
1: Oh, right. I forgot about that.
0: Like Murderville, After Party, Severance. Um, There's not a single actor that crosses over?
1: Ooh. No, I would say there's probably something with Isla Fisher and Hot Rod to be had within Murderville.
0: Yeah, Arnett, right. Like
1: Arnett, was he in Hot uh, Yeah, he's girl? her
0: girlfriend. He's his. Uh, he's the douchey boyfriend.
1: Right, okay. Then yeah, the, there we go. Where she,
0: she dumps him and he just yells babe like for three and right. a half minutes straight.
1: Right, that is him. So right. I, I just, just like assumed, I couldn't remember him in the movie, but I was like, it at least was like, a composite of him. By the way, would friggin' love to watch the Brother Solomon on this.
0: It's such a great, do you know it? I know the poster. Never seen it. Oh my God. Is that the poster where like, they have the, they're, they're, there's a smiley face on their bellies or something.
1: I think that is that movie, yes.
0: I always get that and Stuck on You mixed up. It's not Stuck on You. Um, the Brothers, uh, The Brothers, Solomon. Stuck on You made by, is uh, so... Green Book, auteur, Peter Farrelly. Yeah, God. The Brothers, Solomon. Will Farnett, Will Farnett, <laughs> Will Forte, Will Arnett, Bob Odenkirk, Kristen Wiig, Chi McBride.
1: Reminded <laughs> of me of Terry Farnett.
0: Directed by Bob Odenkirk? What? Oh, that's that's Ios right. yeah, his, oh,
1: my God! This movie was don't look don't read the reviews because it was panned pretty much. And God, it is one of my favorite things. Do you ever know? Made.
0: Do you know? It's also the
1: only blockbuster experience I've ever had.
0: Do you know, like blockbuster the store?
1: Yeah, like I didn't go to Blockbuster growing up. I had like an independent video store. And the only time I went into a Blockbuster was to find that movie. My brother and I were like, we need to, we need to watch this, rewatch this movie. So, and we, there was, it was <laughs> sitting on a lone shelf in the middle of the store.
0: This is the rabbit hole of all rabbit holes that I'm about to take you on. And you're going to be oh, yeah. very, very happy with how it ends. Okay. Uh, in 2006, 2007, I would say that's about when I started to take movie watching seriously. Um, and, I was aware of the Brother Solomon. I was aware that it was apparently terrible. 16% around Tomatoes. And I knew that Bob Odenkirk was connected to it. And I always... I had no idea who Bob Odenkirk was because I was 12. I'd never seen his stuff with David Cross. Obviously, Breaking Bad hadn't happened yet. Um, so I would always mix up Bob Odenkirk with Steve Kirk. Do you know who that is? I don't. Let me Google him. Steve Odenkirk... Is the co-creator Jimmy Neutron? He did a bunch of oh, he did a bunch of Nickelodeon stuff, including he was the director of Barnyard, the original Party Animals, with
1: Kevin James.
0: That was the ending that I knew you would like. Yes. So for like my entire for until I saw Breaking Bad, I thought that these two men were the same person, and that this guy had been transitioning to live action. From Barnyard for the brother Solomon, like untapped linkage there that I just thought of.
1: Culminating in a live action Barnyard, the Animal Farm of its time. I, um, I,
0: I really liked that movie when I, I was growing up. I have seen it. Um, it's it's not great. It's it definitely didn't age well, and I'm dreading going back to it. The show was even bad.
1: Is that it, Brother Solomon is a 16 on Rotten Tomatoes? That is so, like, truly like and. I, I, I feel like you won't trust me using this word, but that is an underrated movie. And I don't mean that in like a the King and Queens is an more... underrated show one. It is fully that that's wrong.
0: Twenty two percent more like it. No, this is seventy. I would now
1: call this this is like a at least a seventy five.
0: I bet we get there one day. Will Arnett and Will Forte are in too many things, and Kristen Wiig.
1: Yeah, and I, you know what? And I think, and this is going to serve as a transition, I think you will like it, and it, it is certainly not just like a studio comedy, and I don't know... They probably weren't ready for it. Yeah, and I don't know how you could... I don't know how you could make a studio comedy now... Though, I kind of feel like every comedy has been made, and so I have a hard time judging comedies for what they are. This one's really unique, but I feel like it's so easy to make a generic one, and that's what we're going to get into.
0: I'm Andrew J. That's Nick Ricardo. Uh, 2007 is when Brother Solomon came out. That same year, a little movie called Superbad came out, directed by Greg Matola, written by Seth Rogen, starring Jonah Hill, Michael Cera, kicked off a whole wave of comedies, And you know, this show is about chains, and obviously, we are completing our fourth chain here uh, from Ellen Burstyn getting to Zach Galifianakis with John Hamm as the beautiful meat sandwich in between. (laughs) We talk a lot about those specific kind of chains, but there's there's another thing that we should talk about, Nicholas, a lot, (laughs) which is Andrew uh, Ripple Effect, Um, because really, Superbad Inception is a Ripple Effect to in terms of actors in terms of style of comedy that eventually leads us to keeping up with the joneses you could argue that superbad's popularity leads to the making of the hangover which leads to zach alfanakis's popularity isla's fisher's popularity from wedding crashers isla
1: fisher's
0: i always do that i've been doing that since 2007 2005
1: you can continue your point
0: yeah that's fine um this is kind of like a like a high thoughts kind of thing here. We're kind of talking about the connection of every Hollywood movie for the last 15 years. So let me narrow it down a little bit. Okay. Keeping Up with the Joneses is a 2016 comedy directed by Greg Matola, who directed Superbad. Uh, in between um, Superbad and Keeping Up with the Joneses, he directed Paul. Uh, have you ever seen that? I have not. And Adventureland, too. Adventureland's a great movie.
1: Uh, big fan of Adventureland.
0: Me, too. Me, too. Superbad, obviously fantastic. Adventureland, terrific. Very funny movie and very wholesome. 2009. Then Paul came out in 2011 uh, with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, Seth Rogen voicing a pot-smoking alien. It was okay. And then eventually we get to Keeping Up with the Joneses, uh, which is the movie we're talking about today. Stars Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher in a very, very, very familiar kind of setup. They are two middle-aged or late 30s Like parents who have settled in suburbia life. They don't have sex anymore. They don't have a lot of excitement going around in their life. The main excitements in their life are like, you know, times with the neighbors. One of their neighbors played by Matt Walsh of Veep fame. Um, Not a lot going on in their lives. Until two suave, beautiful, totally in love husband and wife come in and move into their neighborhood, played by John Hamm and Gal Gadot, uh, of course, who is Wonder Woman. You, you knew that, right?
1: Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I know her from her more famous role, which I'm surprised we haven't encountered on the, the chain yet because it involves so many actors, which was the Imagine music video.
0: <laughs> is that eligible? <laughs> I hope it, so. We'll make
1: an exception for that. Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> um, and we find out eventually... Through a series of comedic mishaps, that John Hamm and Gal Gadot are spies. Did, I forget. Did they work for the CIA, the, or is there? There's a joke that they're not allowed to say who they work for. Right. There's a joke when they finally discover that they're secret agents, and they go to the diner and they're talking about it. And Zach Galifianakis is asking them all those questions that they can't answer. One of them, I think, is, is "Are you in the CIA?" And I don't think they're allowed to answer it. So we just know that they're secret agents. It's a big-budget studio comedy that kind of was a pretty big bomb at the box office. Uh, Cost only $40 million. Uh, I guess, sorry, it's not a big budget, but, like, big star. Generic studio comedy, and didn't even make $30 million. It did not do well. And for good reason. I think this was kind of on the downslope of these kind of movies. It's not even raunchy enough to be rated R. It's PG-13. It's supposed to appeal to like a broad base of people who will go and see it on a Saturday matinee and then forget about it. I get the basic answer. The basic question is, did you find it funny?
1: You know, I kind of want to answer that by asking you what positives you felt. I had, there's one area where we deferred on this. I, I agree. It was, a, it was, in a sense, a generic studio comedy. And Certainly more so than I expected from Greg Matola. I've not seen a lot of his stuff, actually, though. So, like, that's unfair. I haven't seen Paul and things like that. But as the guy who made Adventureland, you know, I'm just, like, surprised that there's not, (laughs) I guess, a, a depth or something in this. But where would there be? There is one takeaway. There's one thing this movie was doing that I totally got, which is it was making fun of suburban comedies a little bit. Zach Galf, specifically just Zach Galifianakis, the way that Zach Galifianakis was acting in this movie, I think every line was delivered with a sarcasm for movies like this. I don't necessarily posit that everybody else is on the same page, but I was really, really having fun watching that. And I think they were I think there was like a big sarcasm and making fun of the suburban stereotype, if you will
0: i think that's a very generous reading on your part um see
1: this and this is where this is where i thought we might disagree yeah. i don't think it's uh, a misreading
0: i i i think the movie i don't know if just it, I don't wants know to appeal i think the movie just wants to be this kind of comedy that has a broad appeal and then you forget about it five minutes later and it's not funny enough to even justify it i didn't really see any kind of like maybe maybe it's trying to be satirical, but it's not effective satire. Like it's like what's the main action movie that it's trying to evoke is Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's like if Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie was viewed from outsiders who have no kind of connection to that life. Right? Those are that's the kind of thing that it's it's trying to be right. like a parody of that. But like like barely is it's so yeah, it's too inv- that, it's like too think... invested in its actual story to actually be yeah funny enough there's I, not there's like no jokes after like a 45 after like the last well there are but mm, like
1: i i don't think as a as a yeah as a full movie it's not effective as a satire but where it is effective is i think the world that the movie takes place in the world that an otherwise generic movie takes place in is written satirically and I think there's a fine line between writing. I think it came off as just cliche suburban comedy, but I think that it was meant to be satirical, or maybe it wasn't meant to be satirical. Maybe Greg Matola did not even mean to treat it that way, but I think Zach Galifianakis was treating it that way. I think he... I think he was having fun in that role doing that because it there there's a lot of choices that he makes, and. Uh, just ways he delivers lines. And just from like hearing interviews with him, I would assume that some of this stuff was like improv Um He has like a, he's like stated his like hobby for saying unusual kind of lines. Like he says something like, oh my word in The Hangover. And he's like, that's just a very simple phrase that nobody says anymore. And like, he like likes simple phrases like that. I think he's doing that a lot. He's playing like a suburban character in this. That, I don't know. For me personally, I think, like, he at least is having fun.
0: I think he saw a terrible script, and... And that it, might be what it is. It, uh, you, can, you can enjoy the actor isolated, and I think that's fine. I think all the actors are having a good time here. I think Isla Fisher is really good, too, with, like, almost nothing to do. Like, the the, the movie is really poorly written in terms of joke quality a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the laughter I was getting from it were like little non sequiturs. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So um, there were certainly jokes that I liked more than other generic comedies. Um, but like, yeah, more of the humor I was finding was in me looking for these for those moments, those satirical moments.
0: They're like little uh, one-liners. Like, Zach Galifianakis asked Gal Gadot at one point if her accent is from Pittsburgh. Like, thought that was stupid. I don't think that was in the script.
1: Yeah, well, I actually... I forgot I had written down. Like, there's... It's it's barely a joke. But um, somebody says... they were running late or something and they were at Kinko's and they say Kinko's was bananas. And Zach Galifianakis in this over the top laugh goes like it often is. And just the, the way he says it, 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 it's so meaningless. But I thought that that I'm like, Oh, that's him doing this. But how many times thing.
0: did laughs like that string together for you?
1: Um, not, a <laughs> well, not a ton, but not as much, not, not as few as other, generic movies. There were like moments even up to like when they were in the restaurant like eating snakes and stuff that I did find myself laughing at some of these.
0: So some of the set pieces, the big set pieces for me did not work. Like the whole him with the snakes or like uh, Isla Fisher follows Gal Gadot to whatever, to like the dressing room and Mm -hmm. they touch each other's boobs and ha that's supposed to be funny because it's two beautiful women touching each other's boobs. First of all, Isla Fisher being treated as like a mundane, plain looking woman is (laughs) insane. Um, A number of the comedies of this era, they're about like these plain people taking out mundane frustrations in like a fantasy, when in reality, they're pretty... Like Zach Galifianakis is a normal looking dude, but he's got Isla Fisher as a beautiful wife, and they have a beautiful home, and uh, ostensibly they have beautiful kids. They already have privilege. They don't live a mundane life. It just seems yeah. like they're just they're not secret agents. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like the conceit there, I don't. I already don't buy into it. The actual beats of the plot are irrelevant. Like like what John Hamm and Gal Gadot are doing. We're supposed to be invested in their mission that involves, like, microchips and the Scorpion and Zach Galifianakis' company, even though he's just an HR rep and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, I don't care about any of this, so is it funny? Yeah, so that
1: that's the kind of stuff that in a generic studio comedy, or in, in a movie like this, in a studio comedy, I I kind of don't even care, because they're kind of just, they're needed pieces for a generic action comedy or something. And that's fine, but... and But I think that is where it loses points,
0: that, isn't it? That's, that's fine, but like then it's got to be way funnier than this. Like, 21 mm-hmm. Jump Street is a perfect example for me of, like, who cares about the plan? I couldn't tell you who—I mean, I know who the villains are, but I couldn't tell you what the plan was. I'm sure it had something to do with drugs and the school and yada, yada, yada. But there are so many funny scenes, full chunk scenes in that, that movie mm-hmm. and other movies of that ilk. And th- this movie just doesn't have that. It has For me, it has a joke here, a joke there. And that is—that's simply not enough when you're talking about the director of Superbad, the, one of the stars of one of the most popular comedies of the late two thousands, The Hangover, and like two like bona fide action stars in John Hamm and Gal Gadot. Like, they're—they're. They're, let's talk about some of the like the, the running jokes in the movie. Mm-hmm. The idea that like Ila Fisher designed this like artisanal bathroom with a urinal in it. Okay. Amusing setup. Goes on forever. Go back to it multiple times. There's a Nintendo Wii reference early on. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like There's like it's supposed to be slapstick comedy. A lot of that doesn't work. Because it's just kinda like, oh you know, look at this guy in danger, falling down all the time. Like
1: I guess what, what's what's where's some of the slapstick comedy?
0: With the snake and everything like that. Okay. And doesn't at one point he tries to use his hand as like a bottle opener and he just cuts his hand open or yeah, something. Yeah, for some
1: reason, and I actually don't remember why now, but I but I really liked that. I think it was just because it was there was like a lot of blood and it was graphic. But those and those are moments that are
0: What are you giving me? I wish I on-
1: leaned more into it. But- I, I I wish they at the very beginning of the movie, the movie opens quiet Quiet Suburban Street, et cetera, and then house explosion horrible
0: right? cgi explosion it's the first thing i wrote
1: sure but i respect the opening of like we're just blowing up a house that uh pres- presumably has a family in it
0: starts, starts the movie uh, does not
1: d- does not deliver on the promise of that subversiveness from that opening if that makes sense starts right?
0: in media res in the middle of the movie
1: right that's right it is yeah okay
0: yeah Mm-hmm. I had nothing else to add there, but a lot of no, a lot yeah. of movies like to do that, where they just I start also, in the middle I, of the movie. And I
1: forgot that that's what in media res means. I've had to Google it often, um, and I thought you were like telling me where they made the CGI. They used media, re- <laughs> they used media res used make to uh That's a to software the software program they, use? yeah. Yeah.
0: No. they
1: used? Yeah. They used Windows Movie Maker media res plugin.
0: Yeah. Um, I need your letterbox writing now, because I need to gauge how much you like this movie, because I cannot tell.
1: I look, no, I was coming out of the gate just to be defensive, but I'm not going to ever watch this movie again or anything like that. Um, I think Zach Galifianakis was perfectly cast in this. Like, I like, I mean, not, per- I think this let's, was an ideal f- role, but
0: that's all I have good to say about it. Yeah, let's, let's stop there before we go further. Let's talk about the Zach Galifianakis persona. Okay. Do you think he's a perfect fit for this? Because his persona is usually, and I'm sure when we generate our next chain, we'll get an example of this. His persona is generally like sociopathic. And here he's just playing like a guy.
1: So that's interesting. Okay. I actually really like that you said sociopathic. I want to know. Give me examples of what you mean by that. Just the, the
0: hangover where he literally drugs his friends because he wants to be a part of the group. Right. Uh, due date. When he's w- paired with Robert Downey okay. Jr., so you're
1: like that, because
0: his whole bit in Between Two Ferns is he's supposed to be the awkward, insufferable host, right? So, right, so
1: like that. I would call this, and this might just be because I've always lacked a full understanding of the word sociopathic, much like the phrase. In and sometimes text. I
0: use it in the wrong text, so but, it's, but, maybe we're both wrong.
1: But I would say that a lot of his best characters are like that. And this, I think what he was doing, I think that's a nice way to say it, in this movie was being a sociopathically extreme suburban guy, okay? I think that's what he was doing. I think that's what, maybe just for himself, I don't think, like, this was a groundbreaking Oscar-worthy performance or something, but I do think, just, I'm uh, really honing in on, like... I'm glad we And home. also I think this is what, why I found some of the other parts of the movie funny is because I kind of latched on to this positive at the beginning and then it loosened me up till after rest, which I wouldn't have. Also like I mean it was like I was half asleep on like a, a Saturday morning watching this movie with coffee and like was just kind of loopy of tiredness enough to 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 kind of appreciate it and it was but
0: this was my second time seeing it. So I saw it when it first came out. And haven't thought about it since. And now I'm not going to think about it again after this.
1: Uh, I, so just yesterday, just last night, by happenstance, I watched another Galifianakis movie. Uh, I watched The Campaign with Will Ferrell.
0: That's another example of kind of what I'm talking about, where his persona is he's so, supposed to be just the weird dude.
1: Right. Okay. So, And that's what I was wondering if you're going to give an ex- as an example when you said the so, uh, sociopath was The Campaign. because he's not, some... quite,
0: he's not quite sociopathic in that. He's more just like weird.
1: Right. There's Whereas, an absurdity. Like,
0: yeah, a lot of a lot of his roles are you literal this 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 man should be in a mental institution. You know what I mean? Like he needs help. He, that's how Hey Siri dis- Define
1: sociopath.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you've talked to me again, Nick.
1: Oh wow, I thought it was gonna like speak. Oh. It didn't. Never mind. You know
0: she knows we're recording. What does she say?
1: Hey Google, define sociopath. This is, oh
0: my God, According being... to Mayo Clinic, a mental health disorder characterized by disregard for other people. Okay, that's not how I was using it. Hey Alexa, what is sociopath? <laughs> you have fuck? How many devices do you have in here? I have a lot. Is there I've an Alexa always... too? No. Somebody just responded. <laughs> I know, no, that thought that was oh, Google. Oh, that was Google. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Google. Thanks for interrupting. <laughs> can we talk? First of all, can you give the letterbox grade oh. that I that I interrupted like five minutes yeah, ago? Yeah,
1: and you know, before you even asked me, I was. Looking at Letterbox to see because I think I need to adjust my own scale, but I'm at a three for this. I'm at a three for this. You love that
0: three. It's a good spot. It is. It's funny because like when I the other podcast I record, middle seats, a three is a very baseline comfort thing for the other two co-hosts, and I'm I'm the one that more radically goes one way or the other.
1: Well, because uh, yeah, yeah, I was trying to think what I I was trying to check what I gave about Scout.
0: I gave that two, and I would also and give this two. If I'm going to do it on a scale of ten, it is a better movie than About Scout because it, I enjoyed it more, and it was quicker to get through i would give it like a four and a half out of ten which for me for a comedy means i probably got like four or five chuckles but i didn't really see anything else of merit there's no kind of like ingenious hook to this it's just supposed to be like you're supposed to sit down shut up and have a good time and it's just not it's not good enough especially with the people involved we we talked about zach alfanakis's persona in the last episode i talked about the multifaceted talents of john hamm where he is a very, very talented comedian as well in movies like Bridesmaids um, and, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt in that show. He's very funny. And he's not allowed to be funny here because the script is not good enough to give him anything funny to do. You know what I yeah. mean?
1: Yeah, that's completely fair. I also have just confirmed with Google search that I'm using sociopathic wrong as it relates to Zach Alfanakis. You're right with The Hangover and stuff like that. I don't know, but what I... you're You're... you're the absurdity of the campaign
0: character. Yeah. Absurdic think, goofball is not the same as sociopath, right?
1: No. but and, and there's like something... Zach Galifianakis told... Like I said, he likes... In interviews, he said he likes playing with like... Just kind of language. And he kind of like banks these phrases. Probably like, oh my pearls or something like that. He likes things like that. He also... It always stuck with me that he he said once on a podcast that before he was famous, like his kind of humor, is where I'm going with this, is before he was f- famous, he was doing an arc on like a, as like a nurse on a soap opera or something. And so, you know, in the role, he he was on set for like a week and in the role, he'd have to like wear scrubs and he did like some background work and stuff. And I guess had a few lines and he heard two of the like actors, like the stars of the, the soap opera, making plans to go to a bar that night. And so he said to himself, like, oh, I have a great idea. I am going to go to that bar, sit across the bar from them, wearing the scrubs that I have for this. So they see me and they think I'm just this insane guy who's like committed to his role, to this real like background role. And so he does that. And I think he was talking to, like Mark Marin and Maron was like, "So like, did you go up to them after? And like, and he was like, no, that was it. Like, I just left. I didn't talk to them. <laughs> that was the the humor was for him. Like, it was just and I think there's something in every role he has. I think that, like, I just kind of see him having fun with it and being like, how can I be sarcastic about this?
0: He's at his best when he acts like a character that literally exists on its own on his own planet, which yeah, kind of
1: and I think that's what all of. Yeah,
0: that's kind of goes to what you were talking about right there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I guess that um, anyway,
0: I don't get that vibe from this personally. I just think, I I think he's elevating a movie that should be funnier than it is. Like Greg Matola, how much, it makes me question how much of Superbad was his doing, you know? Like, that movie's hilarious all the time, but is it because of Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg? Probably. I would assume so. Right. Just because that,
1: yeah, there was a lot of script funniness in that.
0: If the movie was not going to be incredibly funny, for me, it needed to be a better action movie. And he's not an action director. This movie's really poorly lit for some reason. It looks cheap anytime they shoot an action scene. It's definitely it reeks of like we shot this in Atlanta because the taxes are nice, Mm -hmm. and we shot this all in a back lot. That chase scene that's in like an abandoned parking lot and like you know stuff like that going on, and it's it just it like it's never thrilling. You never worry about anybody being in danger or anything like that. And like again, that's not the intent. But if if it was gonna be one thing or the other, it's neither things. So it's kind of in the middle. It's not funny and it's not thrilling. Yeah. So it just kind of, like, doesn't have a purpose, in my
1: opinion. Yeah. That is completely fair, and I would agree, because that is the definition of, like, a generic action comedy to me, is one where, I, I, for me personally, I don't care about the action at all.
0: I wouldn't if I laughed more, you know? Yeah, that's what I
1: mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think how to phrase any other feelings. But I really don't have many feelings on
0: it. Otherwise, there's no grand points to be made here.
1: There's not I the reason I give it three stars in my mind out of five is because I liked some of the sarcasm that I've talked about that I think was intended by at least the actor. And there were some laughs in it that I had. That's it. Let's talk. Maybe about that sort of- means it's not Oh, see, here's the thing. I'm having what I'm having trouble with right now is if I say two and a half, if I decide this is a two and a half comedy, do I have to adjust my nostalgia score from last week's
0: uh, movie? Because this is what I'm talking about. You're too indecisive. Like you're stuck in between. Like just like yeah. just vibe it out, you know?
1: But that's the thing. I think my entire vibe of, of, of numbers, I think like the weight I put on on some numbers is totally off. I think I have to adjust for the inflation of my positivity and optimism.
0: It's also not apples and oranges. These are two completely different genres. but that's the other thing.
1: I think they are pretty equal footing examples of of the movies they were trying to be. They're both middling. They're both misfires and like 40% successes of the movies that they were trying to be. I guess there's my answer.
0: This is deeper than I thought we would get into on the Keeping Up With The Joneses podcast.
1: I had to somehow. I mean, <laughs> there was, th- th- these are my, look at my notes. For, we got to
0: give it substance somehow. I'm fine with it.
1: I have five lines of notes for Keeping Up With The Joneses and I've covered them all.
0: Do, do you have any specific jokes that you want to highlight that worked for I you? I already
1: said it, but I really, lo- I just really specifically liked
0: Kinko's was bananas. <laughs> it often is. Didn't do much for me, but I feel you um my favorite joke in the entire movie comes at the very end and Just it, because kinko's isn't often bananas no I, I i get the conceit i get the setup and you're right that was definitely the galifianakis special yeah my favorite joke comes at the very end we talked about this being a chain that has two actors that connected it has John ham in between ellen burson and zach galifianakis between nostalgia and keeping up with the joneses it also has Patton oswald who is the quote-unquote surprise villain he is the quote-unquote scorpion I'm using quote unquote too much, but you're get, you're understanding the point. He's right. the, he's the villain of the piece mm-hmm. who they have to go undercover at the end to try to figure out and get him out in the open and arrest yeah. him. The joke that I liked a lot is that his name, his name is Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <instead of laughs> yes. Bruce Springsteen. Uh, and he's I, like, he's like, they're like, you tell us to call you the boss. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, see, it's and- so stupid, but that's funny.
1: It is. And, and that, at the risk of sounding like I'm just trying to add depth to this movie, or I mean to the conversation about this movie, which I'm not intentionally doing. I'm just super smart and intelligent like this. Um, this movie had some off-the-wall moments like that. I would even call the Kinko's line, or a lot of the things Galifianakis did. We're things, back to the Kinko's, like Kinko's line that. again. But, but if this movie had so much more of that, I'd like it a lot. When, it, when a movie leans into something like that yeah, to a certain ac- amount, it kind of like... It could go anywhere and it doesn't matter. Like it it doesn't need to, it almost doesn't need to have an identity because its identity is like just this kind of like rapid fire absurdity, metaphorically, like balls bouncing against a a racquetball court wall. And that's what Brother Solomon is. And that's why is I like this, has this just been
0: all a huge <laughs> setup where you where you take yes. keeping up no, with the Joneses and you rip <laughs> and off you rip the, the, the cloth and underneath and it, is, underneath Brother it is Brother Solomon.
1: But the reason but if you're not gonna make that movie, if you're not gonna lean in that direction, then you're leaning in the other direction, which is, for lack of a better term, generic comedy or broad comedy or something. It's um, it's
0: it's meant for all audiences. Yes. I wish it was I, weird I, enough that certain people would reject yeah. it. It needed to be wet hot American summer. It needed to be something like that, which is like okay. the most yeah. basic of setups, but just like devolves into the most absurd, weird stuff possible.
1: Yeah. So really what I'm trying to say is how do you make a not weird movie? Can there be a good comedy made that is not weird? Or have we kind of like just done all the comedies? Because I, what I was thinking trying to watch this movie is like, how do you make a broad comedy and make it good. I know it's not going to.
0: You can definitely the do it. It's not going to be Adam Sandler has been making a career off of that for years. But I would, I, I don't I mean, I most think most of those really suck. Same. Yeah. Listen, it's not easy to do, because a lot of broad comedies rely on familiar joke setups and familiar.
1: Right. I just kind basic. of feel like, as a culture, we have gone so alt with comedy and stuff that we kind of have like moved away from the ability to have non-weird comedies. Here's what we're going to do. And I think that the, this also goes into an entire other thing about there is an intangible reason that sitcoms do not work anymore. You can give actual reasons, but there's an intangible reason underlying everything that multicam laugh track sitcoms are just not quite working anymore. And I think it's because I think a my good- best guess is society... Audiences at large have seen enough content that we have become well versed enough to not be impressed by generic comedy. And I I think that's
0: a little bit of a broad argument. I I agree with the general Mm conceit where we have gotten smarter. I think it is a I think it comes down simply to do you have a talented enough writer that can make a broad comedy work.
1: Do you have an example of a broad comedy that does work? Let's let us
0: uh, well here's what we're gonna do. I have the twenty best comedies of the twenty tens according to Collider. We're going to okay. go down this and we're going to decide whether it fits into that category or not. Okay. So we've got Deadpool. No, does not fit into that category. Easy okay. A. You could argue it. Easy A is like a teen comedy. Easy A wouldn't be out of place in the 1980s. The only reason it would be out of place is because it has the conceit of like technology and her webcam, you know. Sure. I like Easy
1: A. I felt like its value is in the coming of age department, which is different. I also like, I think I would rule out most teen comedies and sex comedies and things like that in there as generic comedies, at least in what I'm trying to.
0: Well, let's say. go. Let's look at the examples. Inherent Vice, no. Game Night. Sure, sure, sure. Same, same concept. Broad idea that mm-hmm. just evolves into chaos. That's a really underrated movie. I hope we talk about that one day. Mm, okay. Thor Ragnarok, no. Francis Ha, no. Hail Caesar, no. Twenty One Jump Street, no. This is the end. No, it's very specific, premise-wise. Spy. I don't remember Spy. Who was in Spy? That's Melissa McCarthy. That's like literally the most generic title possible. That's a good example, I think. Yes. The Heat. The Heat is another lesser good example. And you're looking at the talent involved here. Like Melissa McCarthy is involved. Yeah. Rose Byrne is involved. Like
1: certainly somewhere on that spectrum. Like Tammy is even in there as, yeah. as a generic. Comedy, Let me just
0: so. for for our completionists. Let's. The World's End, no. The Lego movie is very specifically weird on purpose. Phil Lord, Chris Miller, you can take all the movies out. What We Do in the Shadows, no. Nice Guys, no. Lady Bird, no. Paddington 2, no. Grand Budapest Hotel, definitely not. Bridesmaids, I would say no, but it's close. Pop Star, no. MacGruber, number one. First of all, that's a whole other... (laughs) Number <laughs> best comedy of the 2010s,
1: right? That, yeah, I like McGruber,
0: but I no. No, I
1: mean I was gonna evoke McGruber when we were talking about Brother Solomon. There, it totally is a different thing.
0: So I think I, I think my answer to you is that it is not impossible. It is very very challenging, and like really, you are, yeah. like you are talking about.
1: Okay, what year did Keeping Up with the Joneses come out? You said
0: 2016.
1: 2016. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of like you said. It was like a last gasp of that time. A movie like that. I'm kind of surprised it they still did it then. I look, I wish there were more bad generic comedies in just in a sense of the oversaturation of Marvel and stuff like that. But I'm surprised that even
0: in twenty sixteen it they don't make straight comedies anymore. Yeah. They don't. Like you just take a look at the you take a look at the release schedule of last year. And they're like movies get like raves that are just comedies all the time now because they just simply are comedies. It's the same thing we were talking about with rom coms, like Marry Me out in theaters now. It's getting positive reviews. That it may not have earned if there if it was in the middle of the huge rom com swell that everything has to be mm. subversive now. Yeah, yeah. So we're making the same points.
1: Yeah, we no, we really are. I think and we just finished. disagree
0: of what, how much how funny we found it <laughs> because.
1: Uh yeah, but but not a ton. Like I'm kind of just really honing in on that difference for the sake of this conversation, like to make the point. But it's really if we zoom back. It's like uh, even forgetting about the star ratings or whatever, you found it to be 20% funny, and I found it to be like 26% funny. Like, uh, that's the the difference or whatever.
0: Well, you came out hot, so I wasn't sure, <laughs> you know, like.
1: Because I do think, just I, I think the beginning of the movie came out hot. I do think that Zach Galifianakis was doing a thing with this.
0: Here's one argument and that I, I would give. We're going to have him on the
1: pod next weekend.
0: Uh, yeah, are we? i mean yeah he's no. wait, also, I, got sorry, a movie whatever some kind of movie i just of his keep thinking
1: up. about get smart the movie get smart with steve carell because i'm like that around that time is the last time that a movie like that should have been made not that that was good but i'm like that's the era that correct be done now
0: it's eight years too late <laughs> yeah right just a couple stray exactly thoughts. eight years yeah i'm quick like that wow mental math man
1: that's that's insane
0: M Cube Mental Math Man.
1: I'm j- can I can can I just give you a couple movies and you tell me what year they came out? Sure. Okay, we're gonna do it right now, real quick, just to show people what we're working with here. And I'm gonna do it by using. a... Oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I know what
0: I'm doing here. I'm gonna use a random person. It can't life. be like it can't be like shit from the 40s.
1: No, no, no. I'm just gonna do like recent. Oh yeah, I'm I can gonna totally use. Do that. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm gonna use. Okay, Little Miss Sunshine. 2006. Wow, Marley and Me. 2008. City Island.
0: City Island? What is that?
1: Oh, you don't know it? No. Interesting. Sure. Okay, that's fine. The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. the
0: what hell is that? that? Okay,
1: no, fair. Where, where are you getting right? these you from? You just didn't watch movies in 2009. I was just using Alan Arkin's filmography. City Island- <laughs>
0: oh, You were just going down his movies? I was looking for, like, ones that- Oh, because you were on Get Smart. Is that why? Yeah, you and I just wanted link. to pull
1: up- yeah. Right, you clicked Stand-up the hyperlink.
0: Stand Up Guys was 2013? 2012 made in 2012 released in 2013 can you go to the release in
1: 2012
0: are you sure stand up (laughs) February 2013 ooh am I right you're insane it was a 2012 produced movie that was released in 2013
1: it's marked as 2012 because it premiered in October 2012 at Chicago International Film Fest February 1st 2013 that movie came out that's what I said that's what I said
0: I never I never (laughs) saw that movie
1: if only we had tape to check. There were two other... This is the last thing I'll we'll say about it. There were, there were two other comedies in 2013 that Alan Arkin was in. One was in March and one was in December.
0: Oh, the December one is Grudge Match. That is correct. Uh, the March one is probably the one I should know more. I don't know why I went to Grudge Match first. What is he... Well, 2013, March. Um, 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 um. What came out in 2013? March, the second week had Oz the Great and Powerful, so I usually try to use that and move from there. That you're that
1: title is evocative of this of this title, I would say, in some way.
0: Huh? The, 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 oh, oh, yes, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone. There you go. That's Terrible it. Movie. That's worse. <laughs> than Keeping Up with the Joneses, which we should wrap, <laughs> by the way, because we're not even talking about it anymore.
1: We're not even talking. Oh, man, we get to choose a new chain. I forgot about we that. We do, Oh, yes. that's so exciting. I would have wrapped like 10 minutes ago.
0: So that'll complete the fourth chain, which was Ellen burst into Zach Alphanakis with reviews of Nostalgia, and you just listened to the review of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Uh, as per usual, I will generate the actress now as we... Cycle in and out, and you will generate the chain. You are bobbing up and down. I'm so excited for this. I love generating actors. So I'm going to generate 10 actresses, and Nick is going to give me a number between 1 to 10, and we will find out who we have.
1: You know, every week I tell myself I'll prepare, have a number in mind, and I never do. There's only 10 options. Oh my God, I can't do it. Just do it. Uh, Am I allowed to do 0.5s? No. Okay. There's no half
0: actresses. (laughs) Yeah, then why did they call it two and a half men? Pick a number, 1 through 10. Nine. Our next actress is Rachel McAdams. Okay. So you generate a chain from Zach Galifianakis to Rachel McAdams, who, of course, this might get us to date night like I wanted. Or not date night, game night.
1: Okay. The chain is generating. Beep, 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 beep. (laughs) This, this hands down, hands down, is the, the most random connecting link we have ever we have ever faced and maybe will ever face i'm amped chris matthews
0: like wait, wait
1: retired american political commentator host <laughs> of hardball with chris
0: matthews i was like the chris matthews the chris matthews what the hell <laughs> what what is he in okay so what's so is it that's, two again that's, that's, wait, it's two again okay what are the two, movies there are two movies zach Galifianakis
1: and chris matthews both appeared in I, as mentioned on this episode the campaign the campaign
0: okay That's good, because we can talk about that and how his persona is different.
1: Chris Matthews and Rachel McAdams appeared. Spotlight? In Morning Glory, the 2010 rom-com that took place at a morning show. I have seen that. TV producer. They shot
0: that, Where I Work, parts of it. Really? Yep. Harrison Ford, Diane Keaton.
1: Of all places to get back to Harrison Ford in some way, we're crossing paths with him on on Morning Glory.
0: That'll be our fifth chain. You have listened to us complete four full chains. Thank you for sticking with us here on the cinema chain gang through all of our non sequiturs and other stuff. If you have any comments for us, please, of course, let us know. We have polls on like every episode. You can, you know, find us, slide into our DMs. We will take whatever you can give us. Thanks for listening. For Nick Ricardo, I'm Andrew O'Jay. The chain continues.